Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to In The Pocket. My name's Johnny. And my name's Chris. Two totally average bass players, and we're here to talk all about that bass. As well as answering your questions at home, each week we take a look at the latest news, break down some tones, or to give you the lowdown on the low end. Chris, how are you, my friend? I am absolutely bloody wonderful. How are you on this lovely Wednesday night, I'm going to say? Yes, I think... There we go. Yes, it is Wednesday. I I listened outside, (laughs) the birds were saying, yes, it's Wednesday. Coming to you live. This just in, it is Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday, my dudes. Um, yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Um, had a big delivery yesterday of lots of bases, which are all off my wall now, which you can kind of you see. You did but, have, you had a very, a very impressive package come through your front door. Very nice indeed. My God, my goodness. And now it's all mine to gobble up home by myself. I have, I have a package literally next to me and I could open it on the podcast right now if you wanted me to. Oh my goodness! Well, start we doing do it now. Okay, start, we'll do I'll, it now. I'll talk through my. Well, starting now, I'm, I'm intrigued to know what it is. It'll take literally fact, two seconds. Go on then. Um, listeners of the podcast will not be happy. <laughs> Just a load of rustling and excited boys. I was going to say my two favourite things, but I, no, I think I'll redact that. Nice. Mercedes. <laughs> no, turned into some kind of advert. For, I'm obsessed um, with that TikTok, um, by the way. Um, fragrance now. Right, All right. Got Chris, I've got, got them. Are you ready, Johnny? Yeah. I'll take that as a yes because you're frozen. <laughs> I said yes, then you froze. So. Oh, no. Are you back? I'm back, baby. Let's show me what you got. Oh, oh. Wow. Thanks oh. for that. Thank you so much for that. You really um, ruined your day. Upside down. I think you yeah. um, enlightened us all into who you truly are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not big into that. Um, no. <clears throat> uh, there was guitar strings for you, all you people at home. Not not bass strings. No, 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 no. 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 Uh, there were six of them in that little cheap, inexpensive packet. I've got to um, be honest with like, you. I've got to be honest with you. These are the Spenny strings. Like these are Diodario MYXL guitar strings 10 to 52 um these are definitely on the spenny side of bass strings but sorry of strings in general <laughs> these were like 11 quid 11 i was quid. i was over the bloody moon that expensive <laughs> guitar strings are this cheap <laughs> they're like half the price of normal I know, bass strings i know i was over i was over the moon but no i am broadening my horizons a little bit as the working musician um oh wow yeah, I'm. Uh... You've given up. <laughs> <laughs> You've given up. No, no, no. I just, I was just thinking the other day. I've got like, I have eleven electric guitars upstairs, 
and I see loads of posts online being like, we need a depth guitarist, we need a depth guitarist, we need a depth guitarist. And I'm like, I can they're play. Unreliable. You're telling me. Um, all the reliable ones are now bass players. Hello. But um, I thought, if I can double the pool of paid work, God. I'm going to do say, it. Say pool again. Pool. <laughs> I've just done a poo in the pool. I've just done a poo in pool. Thank you. Yeah, but, well, that uh, makes yeah, a lot I'm, of sense, you know. I'm just doing a bit of, I'm just doing a bit of experimentation. Like I haven't, I have picked up a guitar in recent memory, but I can't. It must be like for ten seconds at a time. I played one chord on the Dala on an upcoming Dala single. And is it the best chord? No, it's just like an atmospheric <laughs> part that was on the demo. But I came up with the guitar part. Excuse me. Fantastic. I came up with a guitar part on the demo, and then when we got to the actual recording, Jay, the guitarist, was like, "What's that bit?" Because I didn't do it on the demo, so I went, "Oh, it's this." So I'm, I'm <laughs> give it here. I'm on it as a, as a as a session guitarist. And then Jay recorded all the bass. I'm assuming. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. No, no, that was a computer. That was MIDI. <laughs> nice. It nearly um, was shall... actually. It actually nearly was. What? I was really ill. Um, oh, leading yes, up to, told me this before. yeah, I had a murder cold the like three weeks, m- nearly all of December. I had a murder cold, and then we recorded in the first week of January. I think we went down on New Year's Day or the day after to record. It's my favorite day to go down. Uh, hell yeah, ka-chow. Um, and I was absolutely sick as a parrot. Like I only got like back to like <laughs> that is not a phrase. Sick as a parrot. parrot. Yeah, it's a phrase. That must be another northern thing. Sick as a parrot. Is it sick sick as as a dog? I've heard. No, I'm pretty sure sick as a parrot. Sick as a (laughs) parrot. I swear that's a phrase. (laughs) Or he'd be sick as a parrot. Or he'd be sick as a parrot, he is. But yes, I was really, really ill. And like, I almost couldn't play the parts on the EP because I had such a bad cold. But luckily... God. We had a really good producer, and look, look, I got through it. Is the is yeah. the important part of the story? But for a bit, I was like, guys, if I can't play this, it's gonna have to be the MIDI we used for the demos, oh, no. <laughs> which would have been heartbreaking. Yeah. But um, yeah, luckily we got through it in the end. But I have been in bands where I've been the bass player, and I have not played on any of the material. Any of it. Someone else has played. Shame. Yeah, someone else has played bass on it, and I've been told to just say I played bass on it. <laughs> Fun, isn't it? That's Don't be in a really band. Good stuff. Really good. Anyway, stuff. Um, yes, guitar shall strings. We, yes, shall we let's... move away from guitar strings? Um, yes, and uh, talk about some lovely questions that we. Have God, on the God, today. please, yes, end my suffering. Yes. Um, if you at home want to get involved with this very podcast and ask us some questions, please, please, please go and follow us on Instagram at in the pocket pod. Go and do that. And um, you will, you know, your life will be so much better because you can uh, ask questions for this podcast, just like this next person. That's where you ask the question. Oh, yeah, it is, it is isn't it? Oh, dear. <laughs> my my phone that I have the questions isn't next to my laptop. But I remember the question. I believe this week's question, Johnny, was pretty simple. It was our thoughts on block inlays on bass. Ooh. Um, so I actually go in and, like, 
on and off with block inlays quite a lot. I think on some bases, looks so good. Okay. Love it. Um, mm-hmm. On some bases, I'm like, eh, it's, it's got to really suit the base, I think. Overall, okay. I'm, in, I'm in team block. I'm in team block inlay. I'm a fan. Um, I want to, my favorite kind of block inlay is on a rosewood fretboard and with uh, like a purloid block inlay, like a 70s jazz, like with a rosewood board, like that kind of thing with a with a white binding on the fretboard. Oh, <clears throat> that is my favorite. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree with you 100%. Um, I, I lean towards team block or the team not block. And but it does depend on the base as well. Like, for example, I don't think I'd like blocks on my Stingray or no. I would like blocks on my Godan, which is a rosewood neck. Well, no, because I'm about to contradict myself. I would absolutely love block inlays on my jazz bass, though. That's block the thing. Inlays. I think it's got to be a jazz. Yeah, right? however, however, I would also kind of really like black P-bass, maple neck, blocks on the fretboard yes that's cool um i i don't i think on a p base it looks a bit funny the the <laughs> 70s squire p base has got that the classic vibe and mm. yeah like it's 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 a vibe as it's um uh it's a classic it vibe suggests. you will yes absolute classic vibe um but yeah I, it's not i don't know it, it, it's a jazz bass thing for me Personally, that's where my hundred percent jazz bass maple neck. I'm gonna say a bass I would really like to own is a white jazz bass with a a a light perloid pit guard, or like the TV that mint green or TV yellow pit guard, black pickups, uh, roasted maple neck, and headstock. That's the same material as the neck. I don't want it to be matching the body, and then it's a like I said, it's a maple neck with block inlays. Mm. I think you can make that happen one day. I think we could make that happen. I think that's a very, very, very low expectation for a dream base. <laughs> white, uh, I'm all white. White base, please. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our thoughts on block inlays. Overall, we're team block. Absolutely, block, block. team block. Hell to the yeah. Fantastic. Um, let us move on to our next segment. That is the news. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while, hasn't it? It's given us some time for some news to start rolling in, baby. And rolling it has. Um, the first news bit I want to talk about is kind of one we've spoken about a little bit before. Um, if you were listening to the podcast, you would have heard us talk about the leak around the Fender Vintera 2, the sequel to the Vintera series. So they're kind of vintage-inspired guitars and basses, and we've got some really nice additions and fresh looks. You think, like, how can they freshen up a vintage reissue thing again? You know, like, they've already done it. What else can you do? But I, I really like what they've done here, um, and we'll talk about it now. Um, I do have Fender's website up. I'm going to try and share my screen, and so okay. can, for the visual side of this, we can have a look at what that looks like. We're in ch- we- uncharted podcast territory here. Here we go. Whoa! Oh, oh my god! Wow, well, um, we. Well, no, I, I actually can't see it, but I hope you can. Oh, okay. Well, it's saying sharing, so I've I'm got it. Go I've that. got it. Oh, Professional wow. broadcasters here. 
Nice, oh. nice, nice, nice. So oh, I'm on in, inject, website now. Inject that jazz bass into my veins. Right, that is so nice. Let's take a look at that jazz first. This is the 60s jazz bass. We've got it in Lake Placid Blue with a lovely torque pick guard on that. No, I don't want 5% off Fender. Thank you very much. Um, it comes in black, which is, yeah, classic 60s look. And just a red, of course. But, oh, I wish that was a torque pit guard so bad. Um, I've been gassing for a Fiesta red uh, jazz bass at the minute. I'm tempted to refinish yeah. my Galari in Fiesta red um, to mod it because that's, I like everything. I'd, I'd like bass. a Fiesta red P bass with like a torque pit guard because yes. that's like the Pinot Paladino. 100%, like look, yeah. oh, those uh, those block inlays on that. Um, what was that? Was that a jag? That was a jag. I know it was a guitar, yes. but those blo- that was a good example of block inlays, in my yes. opinion. Seventies jag. We've got the basics. Cool. Your your favorite bass. Um, oh yes, my favorite. Yep. Yeah, love our that. Friend Matt Parker anyway, we'll be getting one of those. Comes in. Yeah, move on. Blue. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, the Mustang as well. You can see the prices all down here. They're all kind of as to be expected we've got an orange mm. one with competition stripe and the blue but look i didn't know this about it i saw someone playing it today it's got a it's a burst what look it's it's got a slight burst to it you see oh that? my goodness <gasps> so that's Johnny, something a little bit fresh listeners of the podcast it is my birthday next week <laughs> i thought you can say i'm fully erect <laughs> your words not mine <laughs> um it is your birthday this week. Uh, next week. It is this weekend. Birthday boy coming up. So is that, that the one? Actually, that's. I've just come up with a really good, ex- a really good uh, excuse. We were discussing a thing that we will not mention to the viewers about, where we needed to go somewhere, but we needed a reason to go. Yes. What if said reason is Chris would like to try some short scale bases? Oh yes, 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 yes. We and back to the back some, to the subject. The star of the show, by a long way, in my opinion, is that 50s precision bass. Oh, it's fucking... It's my favourite. That That's, that's oh. the squire. You know, like, that's what it's modelled on. And that is my dream oh. bass. I love it. The b- blonde, gold and maple, that is a killer combo. Um, these are going to have chunky boy necks, of course, but it's mm. just so good looking. Uh, I love it. Um... Then we've got the 60s bass as well, which is classic. Which looks, colors, great, but, too, which looks yeah. great too, I would like to add. However, do you... So you prefer that 50s... Posi- oh, and the Telecaster bass is super cool as well, but... Yeah, we'll get onto that in a minute. Yes, just quickly, that 50s precision bass, do you, you mm. prefer the gold, I assume? Uh, yes, I prefer yeah. the desert sand to the black, yes. Oh, nice. I prefer the black. Oh, the black is still... Killer. Only by a it's... little bit. And... For me, it'd be important to see that pit guard. The hue of yeah. that will yeah. really determine it because there well, are some bases that do this effect where it, it looks terrible. But this one 100%. looks like it doesn't. Totally. Like that Schecter, the one that yeah. we spoke about. And like the hue just wasn't right. And look at the mm. hue on even on these pictures here. It looks darker there. Oh, oh, it looks different in those two pictures, even though it will be the same pit guard. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like the lighting is slight, but yet the color of the neck is all, is exactly the same. So it's yeah. definitely a but different that, color. That will be the that will be the thing. With, like that's a problem with gold pit guards is that they're lush if you get them from the right angle, but from another angle, it looks disgusting. <laughs> like, you know it's like, what? Like, wow. You know what's a really good pit guard? 
What's that? Oh, just, I can't say it. This will be the third time I've mentioned a guitar on this podcast. Oh, come Ooh. on, three strikes and you're out. <laughs> I know. Right, new podcast host from next week. Uh, oh, I have a... I have a... I'll be quick. I've got a Fender Strat upstairs. It's called the Rustic Ash Fender Strat. Google it. It's like an exposed wood grain body with this, like, untreated copper pickguard. And depending oh. on the light, it's like a really dark copper like really dark or a super bright purpley red. Oh, that's I'll show you. Naughty. It's cool. I recommend Googling it. I would love them to make a bass with that exact aesthetic because it's a mm. cool I feel like guitar. there's so much more they can do with aesthetics, you know, even just color combos like this. Yeah. Some more. Um, finishing up Vintera yes. range, we've also got this Telecaster bass as well, which is new um, in, a, in a vintage white and a surf green. I think loads of people will absolutely love this. I don't, love mud buckers in that position but that's going to be very never try one kind of sound that you're going to go for um yeah i i found that i really like that style of humbucker in the bridge like the squire rascal um but yeah in the neck not so much if you're into okay. that sound all right never try one but that would be that would be really cool with a a, a like a single rail pickup or a, a p-bass pickup in a telecaster body yeah that looks really cool, in my opinion. Big win, yeah. in my opinion. And I am usually very sceptical of anything Fender bring out, ever. Yeah, well, I think they've done the right thing. It's the vintage stuff, but given us what we didn't have last time and some little curveballs in there as well. Yeah. So very, very 100%. nice indeed. Um, let's move on to the next bit of news. And it is on the other side uh, of uh, the household Pond. name, should we say. Well, no, but it's Gibson. Gibson. Oh, we're doing that one out. first. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, that seemed like a smoother segue. Uh, we have got a new bass from Gene Simmons um, out of the blue. Uh, he's had a couple of signature Gibsons uh, over the years. The, he had one, I feel like last year he had a new one. He had the um, oh, the new Thunderbird. Uh, and yeah. now he's just got another one. No, was that uh, not Rex Brown? Or did uh, Gene have Gene one as well? had one as well. Yeah, there were, oh, it, but he's like the, the ultimate. One? He's like the ultimate cash grabber. Like Kiss are like <laughs> the worst band for this. The worst the Motley yeah. Crue for this. Well, it's it's going to get worse for that, and when you see the price, um, I've seen share... I've, I've seen the price. I was absolutely mortified. But anyway, please go on. <laughs> I think that this is like kind of cool because it's a little bit different. It's not just like oh, here's my black version of this guitar whatever it's a bit different um it is an eb zero bass um but it looks a lot better than like your standard sg type bass or one they've had before in yeah. that kind of configuration it's got that mud buckery type thing near the bridge like i just said i, I quite like that i think that's pretty good um i i don't think this will be that good uh, just because classic gibson i don't know but look at that price seven thousand two hundred pounds <laughs> Who, in their right mind, unless you're a massive Kiss fan, is going to buy that? Like, I'm a re- crazy. I'm I'm a really big Kiss fan, and I no, uh, I have <laughs> <You're>... <coughs> I oh excuse me, I have three big problems with this bass. Um, first one, the price is a joke. That yep. is absolutely horrendous. Um, to pay to pay that much money for a guitar and or bass is ridiculous to begin with. But for something that is like 
a production model kind of just eh. yeah. yeah um not keen number two uh scale length no um i would rather i don't even think gene simmons plays like a medium or short scale bass well, they, apparently it's a callback to some live TV stuff that they yeah I've seen did, that yeah they had before. It's a I can see here it's a thirty point five, so it's not a short scale because the short scales are thirty inch. Chris, um, no, it is a short scale. Um, you just fully but... fully sniffed your own fart there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it smelled good. Um, you did the you did the Jeremy Clarkson like oh it's actually a thirty two because <laughs> please continue. Um, Yes, uh, and it's uh, yeah. I think it's like it's like oh, that's cool. If I would, I'd be interested in this if it was like three hundred and fifty pounds, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, but sadly, it is far from that. So it's a yeah. No I have no for me. It's a big no from me, and I have one final reason why I'm very anti this base, Washington. and it's also why I'm I'm quite not on Team Kiss ever again now. So. He's on Team Snog. Hell yeah. Um, Kiss were the second ever band I saw live. Ever. First one was Metallica. Second one was Kiss. Third one was Feeder. And they were really good. But anyway, um, Kiss, second ever band I saw live. Amazing. Big, like, big, like, key moment for me of, like, kind of, I want to play music as my thing now. That's yeah. like, you know, like, oh my God. That kind of thing. My, I went with my uncle, long story short. Uncle, he's not here anymore. We'll put it in that term. So, when I saw Kiss at Downloads, two years ago now? Yeah, two years ago when they headlined. That that was meant to be the last ever UK show. It was like on the Farewell oh. Tour. I think you know where this is going. Yeah. And I've, that, was a nice little, that was a nice little moment because I went with my mum and it's my mum's brother who'd passed away. And it was like a nice little... It was almost like a full circle. It was like a... I saw Kiss when I was 12 slash 13. It was something that inspired me to want to be a musician. I'm now seeing them again at the age of... Would I have been 27? Yeah, 27 at the time. And, oh, look, I, I'm a musician for a living. That's my job. I just literally pulled the plug on my day job and decided to go full-time as a musician three weeks before download. So I just started. I was like, I've done it. And it was nice, a little, little, nice full circle moment for that. Me personally, my career, bit of a grief thing and like a family thing. Thought cool. And then they announced more dates. <laughs> and now, every time I listen to Kiss, and especially when I see, I'm going to say it, when I see crap like this on the Gibson <laughs> website, it just makes me go, Argh! And it doesn't... I, that's why when I saw this first, I was like, this can get in the bin. I'm not keen. For a band that aren't supposed to exist anymore, that are now <laughs> touring still. But look... And then bring this out, which case. is not a £7,000 bass. I mean, that case is really nice, no. but still. Ugh. It's a wild price, let's be honest. It's It's, it's crazy. a no from me. Yeah. Well... Um, I'm hoping the next one will not be a no from you. Good segue. Um, Across the a, pond. Across, well, let's bring both the segues in, you know? Yes, Perfect, good work. Yeah. Um, the next one I want to talk about is Ashdown Engineering. Hey, Chris, um, uh, Ashdown, they make amps, right? Uh, mm. Did you know they also make basses? 
Um, seems like yes, not many but, people. Do. Yes, but for the sake of this, I will go. No, I did. Oh, I uh, didn't know they made. Well, it seems like not many people do because uh, I posted about these today, and some people are like, "What? Today I learned this." Um, yeah, they make mazes, and now they are stepping into the affordable market. They had done a couple of their own bases before that were upwards of a thousand pounds. You know, uh, more. They were just starting out, so they can't really go full mass production straight away. Um, uh, now they've got the experience under their belt. We've got some new bases from Ashdown, the Roasted series. So gives it away. It's all with roasted maple. Roasted maple must be going cheap or something. Like yeah, now, it really. There must so be so many. Maybe maybe Wilco's were like the main supplier of roasted maple to the world, and they've gone bust. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like do you remember? Um, Rosewood became didn't didn't rosewood become like an endangered wood? Yes, yes. But now uh, it's fine it's, again. It's becoming fine again because they've planted right. more trees, I guess. Um, and that's why we okay. saw a change to like laurel, Indian laurel. Yeah, and, and like wenge went everywhere, and and my personal yeah. favorite exotic wood because it's the best name ever. Panga panga, panga panga. Oh, my panga panga has gone everywhere. Um, mm. Yeah. Oh God, I've oh darling, I've burnt the panga panga. <laughs> it's all over the panga panga. It's going to taste horrible. Um, it's a bit Ashdown. panga panga in this. Anyway, Ashdown, yes. We have got four models here. You can see on my screen. We have got the roasted lowrider. This is their Thunderbird type base. This is the one I was most excited about when I saw it at Nam back along. Um, passive base, just two humbuckers in there in a neck and bridge position, brass saddles. It's awesome. Yeah, really cool, affordable version of a Thunderbird because, you know, otherwise you're looking at Harley Benton and, spoiler alert, I think that base is a bit crap. Um, and then the Epiphone one is fine. Um, so, yeah, a nice new competitor for that one. We've got the Roasted Saint, which is like their bread and butter, like PJ base um, in this really cool, the, the Saint um body shape that they've got no no active electronics on any of these um and it comes in these incredible colors this ice blue an onyx green and a shell pink all for 329 it's a cool green so really cool green uh we've got the roasted saint soap uh, and a short scale version of this one as well both for 300 pounds um i'll just click on this one for the sake of it um this is my personal favorite now um in this green whoa so good so good the single um there's just the single pickup in there it suits the short scale thing as well because they do it in long scale and short scale both for the same price that's good to <laughs> like, see yeah yeah really really cool um although it's less wood so you would think they'd charge more for the long scale i always charge more for less wood mm. um so that's all fine by me um these are available for pre-order now <laughs> Available for pre-order, like I said, in the green, the blue, and the pink. Great finishes, great specs, and a great price. So, yeah, uh, I have got them on my wall behind me here as I unbox them today. And, yeah, spoiler alert, I'll just say that they're very, very good. Um, so I'm excited to dive into these a bit more and, um, yeah, showcase the, the tones that they've got under the hood. Because um, from the outside, they look amazing um, and for a great price. So looking forward to hearing everybody's thoughts on these um i've just spoken for a lot then what do you what do you think about these 
I think uh, I think they're on to a winner. Uh, obviously, they've got to be good, uh, but you've played them, and you say they are good. Yes? Question mark. Yes. So Correct. I think if they're good bases at that kind of like three hundred to four hundred pound mark, that's really great for like kind of a I would call it like your first proper base in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Like you might just be starting out. Let's pretend you're a teenager. You've got a base for like Christmas or whatever is like your first thing. Your parents might not want to invest like three to four hundred pounds. Maybe they do, which is obviously great, but mine didn't. So <laughs> your like first instrument of that style might be like kind of like the one to two hundred pound. You know, might be something that you just kind of get used to for your first like six months, and then you go, okay, I actually want to learn, or I'd like to do, I'd like to, I'd like to own something that's a little bit more resilient in the gigging department. Something that's going to sound a bit better. It's a better investment in terms of quality, and it'll last a long time. It sounds like this is going to perfectly sit in that market. And also, you are you are buying from a, a very small independent company, as opposed yeah. to going to. That's another great point, actually. It's really great to see a small independent company be able to be this competitive with cost. Because if you yeah. compare them to someone like Squire. Harley Benton, um, even Sire to an extent. You know they don't have They're that. They're just not huge comparable in terms of size. Of size, you know, no, no. Isn't Ashdown? Totally isn't Ashdown like two guys or three guys? Uh, Ashdown, I think in total, the entire five guys is like eight employees. Apparently. I was hoping I was hoping it'd be five then, so I could make <laughs> a joke about the burger chain. But yeah, but look, like five, five less than ten employees compared it's like to five guys going up against McDonald's. You know. Absolutely, and I'm not I'm not a man of economics or staffing or HR, but I'd like to think there's a few more than eight to ten people working for, say, Harley Benton. Although it would be yes. funny if Squire was like eight geezers and that's it. They're like, I can't believe we're getting away with this. Well, I can't What's believe it. On? No one knows. There's only one guy at Fender. <laughs> but yes, Defender. Defender. Defender, Defender. But anyway... um, I think this is good. I think this is a good. I think this is a good win. They all look good. They're not. They're unique enough to sort of stand out in terms of the design, but at the same time, you can see they kind of fall. They're, they're safe options in terms of the design, but they're just interesting enough to kind of like separate themselves from like yeah, a, yeah. a J base, a P base, and one that looks a bit a, like an SG, that kind of thing. Yeah, and at this price range, like it's sensible to keep them spec fairly simple because then you concentrate the quality in the fundamentals of the base the stuff that matters um, yes if it's if it's you know i'll call it bog standard but i mean it in a good way if it's like bog standard pj passive electronics it means the money is more money has gone into a decent bridge a good neck yeah. good electronics as opposed to if these were active it would be like oh where have you where have you cut the corner here to make it active yeah. for this price? Exactly. exactly. Um, well, that's all the news that we had for this week. Um, and let's move on to our second question. It's time for question number two. My favourite number. Hell yeah. Um, who are your most inspirational, non-bassist musicians? Mm. Jonathan Dibble to serve. So... When I read this question, I've kind of thought about it from like, well, there's there's a couple really. I mean, think about it from a playing point of view. Like, there's loads of players that I really like that aren't bass players. 
course. Like there's drummers that I really like. Um, there's singers that I really like. Um, I'm going to say this one because I've never heard somebody talk about music the way that this person does. And that Continue. is um, Yvette Young. Um, the uh, She's a guitarist from America in the band uh, Covert. And she just, the way she talks about sounds and colors and um how you know it's formed and how she puts it together and and the textures that she uses is so interesting there's a really good interview with her um i think it's um on anderton's actually uh, and yeah i was just like in awe of her passion and like what she brought to it um she's obviously a very skillful player uh and amazing at what she does but like the, the way that she said about how she brings the tones together and, and the way that she kind of sees, almost seeing textures like colours and how they mix together. Um, yeah, I just thought that was amazing. She's really eloquent with talking about that kind of thing. And I was, I got, I, I got her energy through the screen, you know? I was like, oh yeah, I felt really pumped after it. So um, that was the first one that came to my mind. Um, a couple of honourable mentions, you know, like Hayley Williams, like incredible person and vocalist um like zach farrow i think is an amazing drummer uh eddie throw is an amazing drummer like there's um so many out there that i could mention on a playing point of view but yeah i kind of went on a bit of a a left field one a little bit just based on someone that first came to mind someone that in, has inspired me in a moment uh that in a way that no one else has hmm very nice how curious how do you apply that sort of wisdom you you get from Yvette Young, like that vibe she gives off? How do you take that knowledge and apply it to you as a bass player? So you saw that and you thought it was really interesting and you and mm. you, you gain inspiration from it. But then how does that filter down into into you? What what do you take from it? I think it helped me visualize effects a little bit more. Like understanding what this tone needs or like what this mix needs and i can kind of i i looked at it from a different way not just using my ears but almost like using my eyes at the same time and thinking like well, this is what yeah, it kind of yeah. looks like and if it needs like this fuzzy um uh fuzzy low mid type thing i feel like it it helped me just reimagine how something looks and always seeing it as like a sound wave type thing and thinking about how this texture will fit in here. It's a completely bonkers thing to explain to someone that isn't a musician. Um, a really tough thing to explain even now. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of made me reevaluate how I look at sounds a little bit. Interesting. Hmm. Food for thought, indeed. I have a... I have uh, I've worked a gig that Yvette Young has played. Uh, I did not play with Yvette Young. I'm going to clarify that. Uh, I was I was doing a, a job at a venue that she was playing at, and I met her. She's very nice. There you go. <laughs> you were um, cleaning the bogs. Like, oh, hello. Yeah, all right, all right, love. You're eight. Um, <laughs> who would I pick? Um, I'll do two quick honourable mentions, and then I'll do the main one. So I'd say if I had to do two honourable mentions, I'd say as a non non-bass playing hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Musician, I'm sure he does play bass, but I'd say I really like Rick Beato, the YouTuber. I know yeah. he's not just a YouTuber. He's a, he's a producer and a songwriter and all the, an educator. I really, really like the way he... Um, processes information and trickles it down to the user. Like he's so good. He has a series. If you've not, if you, I'm sure you've seen it, but to anyone who hasn't, it's called "What Makes This Song Great." And what he does is he takes like a really undeniably good song, like "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal or Mr. Brightside. And Mr. Brightside is a good song. Okay, all right. I mean, that is mm-hmm. just a fact. Yes, people, it's. You hear it every single wedding and like... And there's a reason for that. And anyone, and I'll say this right now, as a man who plays a lot of weddings, (laughs) anyone who says, I don't like Mr. Brightside, it's really boring, play it at a wedding and watch what happens. Everyone goes absolutely mental. That Sex on Fire, Dakota... Everyone, uh, take me out by Franz Ferdinand. Everyone yeah. goes uh, Chelsea Dagger. I'll, yeah, I'll keep say, going. That's, that's the next one. Everyone, yeah, everyone goes absolutely mental. I know you can sit at home and listen to them and go, "Oh, I don't like it," but it was almost as if it wasn't written for that moment. It was written for the live arena in mind. But anyway, Rick Beato is really good at taking what many would, at face value, perceive to be complicated music theory, like you know, like. Oh, the singer is is hitting the sixth against this chord, and he's, he's dropping down to the third. And the reason for this, and he, and you know all the layers of music, he he gives you the actual theory, as in what's going on. But then he translates it into they're doing this, and this is why it's to give this effect. This is why it's a good idea, and it's very top down, breaking everything down. Love that, big fan. Yeah. Second honourable mention as a non-bass playing inspiration, and I'm sure he plays bass as well. Big John Mayer fan, very big John Mayer fan. Uh, I think John Mayer is a great songwriter. He's a great guitarist and great musician. And again, I just I just like his attitude around music. It feels very non-gatekeepy. Like last night, I watched a 20 minute video of him explaining how you can play major pentatonic and minor pentatonic at the same time. And it was not something I would expect, like a musician of his level of fame. And it was on an Instagram Live. It was a screen recording of an Instagram Live put on YouTube. And it's just him sat in his living room, iPhone, front camera, because Instagram Live. There's no fancy tech set up. It's just the guitars on the floor. The guitar amp's on the floor next to him. And he's just talking to the camera. It's not really scripted. It's a bit of a mess. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, and I just like how there's almost like a, a, a barrier that you would sometimes see from like a normal person to like a superstar pop star kind of thing. And I think John Mayer's very good at 
smashing that boundary down as much as he possibly can to almost be like he's just a guy who plays guitar. And I, I, I and again, I really like that. I hope if I ever get to those lofty expectations or achievements of a career, I can I can be like that. That would be great for me. Final one, because I've spoken for a lot now. Uh, big non-bass playing musical inspiration by far. It's James Hetfield from Metallica. All day. Every day. That's the one. James Hetfield is my top tier main musical inspiration. Primarily from like a an energy perspective. And I'm not trying to get too philosophical here, but whenever I'm playing on stage, if it's a gig where I'm like performing, obviously if it's like a working gig, I tend to be a bit more reserved and pushed back and kind of like you know you need to you need to know your place on stage at the same time you can't go throwing like some james hetfield headbanging at a wedding although saying that i have quite a lot but <laughs> um, yeah james hetfield is like favorite guitarist of my favorite band super tight musician great songwriter even in his 60s now like i saw him in june at download he's just got this like it's like a wall of 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 music, like a wall of energy that he just throws out while he's playing, and I really like that. And that's something like I'm trying to, I want to do. If I hopefully if I ever get to that size of venue, I want to go like full Hetfield. That's like the goal for me. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the non-inspirational ones for me. I'd say the mm. non-inspirational ones. Yeah. Sorry, non. Yeah, that's right. I made all that News up. Newsflash: Chris hates James Hetfield. Exactly. Chris Horrocks hates Metallica. It was all a lie. I see that on the front page. Bloody hell. Do not put that on Instagram. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. Why Chris hates, hates Metallica. Metallica. <laughs> um, wow. Metallica oh, yeah. fans hate him. Unlock the fretboard with these top five. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for sharing all of those. That was really, really lovely. Um, yeah, I, I think... Inspiration can come from anywhere, really, can't it? And yeah. often yeah. unsurprising places. Um, even if you don't listen to their music that much, someone can inspire you in a way. Or not really, you know, there, there's little moments. Like the Rick Beato one, you know. You might not be a fae with all of his back catalogue of all stuff he's done, but there's moments where he's explained something really eloquently. Or you're just like, yeah, I get it. You make sense. I like you, kind of thing. Um, where it can just kind of click with you, I think absolutely um i think someone that does that for a lot of bass players who is a bass player is ian martin allison who brings yeah, that good energy chat. and a lot yeah. of people in the bass community and probably outside of the bass community are like yes this guy loves what he does you know um so yeah ian if you're if you're listening come on the podcast man come on let's do it um shall we move on to the next segment I think we should move on to our next and final segment. Wow. Wait. Have we figured out interludes yet? No. 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 Oh. I refuse. I would have thought you could... Oh, you don't want to do it now. Okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> Just do it without, you know. It's not, it's it's not like, that much. Right? It's like we gave you video, but at what cost? Yeah. What else do you want from us? It's cut down on the editing. 100%. Bugger that. Um, Absolutely. All say it with me now, everyone. Bugger that. Um, it's, it's not the final segment. It's, it is that tone you own. 
Oh this. yeah, I forgot we were doing that. Whoops. Yeah, because you have brought <laughs> brought along a tone for us to listen to these lucky lucky listeners and myself. Um I've already I had listen. Uh and it sounds mighty meaty. Um would you like to explain or tee it up before we kick off? I will indeed tee it up. So pretty interesting one and pretty simple one this week. It's just a quick little torn experiment I was doing earlier on in the week for a gig that I have. Well, it's on Friday for us, but at the time of everyone listening to this, it will have been a gig yesterday. Mm. Yesterday. So hopefully that makes sense. Essentially, I'm playing a wedding on Friday. The band are playing Kids by MGMT, but they uh, they don't have a keyboard player. Or they don't have a keyboard player that can recreate. They do have a keyboard player, but they can't recreate that specific synth sound. So I said to them, oh, I'll have a go. Why not? So what you're going to hear now is essentially it's my Stingray straight into the quad cortex and then out via XLR into Logic, and then that is what we hear. You're going to hear three sections or three stages. The first one is the clean tone, which... He's pretty much compressor, SVT, into a dark glass 2x12 cab emulation. Mm-hmm. Not an 810, because I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying the stock 2x... I think it's 2x12. Yeah, I think it's a 2x12 really neodymium speaker, amp sim, IR thing, whatever. Uh, that's the first section. Second section you hear is kind of like a... I've turned a chorus on and I've turned a fuzz on, but the blend is a bit too high on the fuzz, so you are losing a little bit that low end. But it's just it's just a three-stage experiment. And then the final stage is an octave with a chorus and a fuzz. But the interesting thing I've discovered is the fuzz is, uh, is blended. I'm using two rows in the quad cortex, like you could do with the helix, for example. But what I'm doing is I'm boosting loads of low end on the clean blend, the clean side of the signal path. But I'm also rolling quite a lot of high end off. So the blend is kind of just a, I think it's only going up to like 400 hertz, I'm going to say. And then the fuzz is taking over everything else. And then I attempt, and then I, well, I don't attempt. I think I nail it, to be honest. I think I'm, if you listen to Kids by MGMT, I reckon I'm pretty close here in terms of the bass tone. And, uh... I guess we'll play it now. Let's have a listen. Do you know what? I haven't listened to kids in a long time, um, the song, uh, and I... I also ignore children regularly. Yeah, I was I was listening to that then. I thought, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember how that bass tone sounds. And you're right, I think you nail it. It sounds so good. 
so good thank you very much um did it take you how did you approach it did you look up anything about how that was made or were you just like based on ear like kind of what this sounds like no just the standard every bass player wants to play synth now so i did a fuzz i did a chorus um did the octave obviously uh and then the thing i kind of wanted to experiment was this like high pass low pass thing that i'd seen Ooh, who did it i saw someone and i've really i've forgotten his name he's uh i follow him on instagram i do subscribe to him on youtube so i think he's from finland or sweden it's not eric um and he did a demo on youtube of this fuzz pedal that had a a low pass filter on is it low pass no it's high pass oh god which way around is it? which one rolls which one rolls off the treble because I think I, it's I a couldn't lo- tell I th- you. I couldn't tell you. I literally. I think it's a low. I think it's a low pass because isn't it meant to be? It only allows the low to pass through. Yes. It's cutting off the high. Yes, I think that's right. <laughs> I always think like low pass. Like low is like pass, pass on the low. No thanks. Yeah, and I don't think it is that. I think it only allows the <laughs> low to pass through. But anyway, this pedal had a filter option where you could essentially start rolling the top end off the clean blend of the pedal. Oh, good. So you could blend the fuzz. So let's say you could have it at 50-50, clean and dirty, but you could be rolling the high end as well off that clean section. So essentially what I am doing is I'm rolling the top end off like the DI sound going into the front of the amp, which meant Mm. the fuzz was doing all of the sound in the upper mid-range, but I was able to kind of try and keep as much of the low end as I possibly could because it does suck the low end a little bit, the bass fuzz inside the um, the quad cortex. So you do need to blend it in some way. Uh, it'd be cool if they'd make an actual bass fuzz with a blend. Wink, wink, neural DSP. That would but, be uh, for, revolutionary, be nice, wouldn't, wouldn't it? it? In a product of, of that magnitude. But anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, once I got that together, I was kind of like, oh, that sounds cool. And then as I was practicing the tune uh, as i was practicing kids i was like oh this is like really close to the original and then i think the only thing i might have done was i think i might have messed around with the depth and the rate on the chorus and then by then i was like this is this is more than bang on enough for my uh my needs at this time so i think i'm going to save that as a scene on my session preset on the quad cortex which i should really put up on the cloud for people to download so then whenever I need it, I've got this like kind of super obvious 80s. And also, I'm finally watching Stranger Things. So synth is like my jam right now. <laughs> your favorite thing. I'm going to wind everyone up now just doing the... It's a good show. It's a good show. Shave your head next as well. And speaking one word like, no. I'm only on season two, so don't spoil anything for me. But uh, it's a it's a good show. I am yeah, enjoying man. it a lot. You just wait. You just flipping wait. Man. Oh, I'm 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 waiting. I'm enjoying it. Uh, season two, episode three, I believe I've just watched. Have you wait? So you must have you must have known some things about the latest season, right? Well, no, I've been quite lucky. Where I've been able to dodge loads of it. Everything I kind of knew has already happened in the show. So I, I, have, oh. I have virtually... The only thing I know about is I've watched... 
the first sort of 20 seconds of like the master of puppets bit oh, oh. Um, <laughs> that's the whole bit that i was like chris is gonna lose his mind i know i know i know i i'm aware of that bit because everyone because I, I what i do is uh, um at jam night i'd play the start of master of puppets constantly for people yeah i just play that bit all the time because i've been oh. playing that relentlessly since the age of like 14 so but apart I've from that, in terms relentlessly of... since the age of 14. Oh, I've been doing that too. Hmm. Often while listening to mass... Wait, what? Knitting. Anyway, um, <laughs> James Hetfield, biggest inspiration. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, in terms of Stranger Things, though, don't know anything about the plot. I don't know where it's going. I don't know anything about... I don't know anything about it, which I'm really happy about. So... Um, Nobody spoil it for me, please, or I'll be really, really, really pissed off at you. <laughs> well, I'll be sure to be dropping some hints in this podcast. Okay. That Thank was you. not a clever hint, um, by the way. Okay. Um, so, uh, nice. Well, I think you did a bang-up job of getting that tone. Um, let us know how the gig goes, because I bet they're going to be well chuffed with that. I will try and... Uh... I'm taking the GoPro, so I'll try and film that bit, Ooh, and hopefully yeah. people can hear it. Um, it might be a bit tricky because I'm on a wedge for that gig. I'm not taking an amp because they're all they're all in the ears except me. So I'm going to be on a wedge. So hopefully the camera picks it up. I am actually considering buying little recorder that can live on my pedal board, oh, no. and then just run a run Hello? a little XLR out into the uh, into the recorder and then I can record my bass mm. at gigs and blend that in with the camera audio of the GoPro. Yeah. That's I mean that's what I want to do. Yeah. Because I that's what I've built my rig around kind of not around that but yeah. it's a function because I've got a DI patch bay on the back of the mothership. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got a splitter going so it takes the cab sim signal that I'm taking sending to the front of house. And then it just goes to another DI out, so I can have that going into a, some kind of recording device. Yeah, like a little little Zoom recorder that records yeah. onto an SD card. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would I would like to do that because the problem I have is the only problem I've got is with the GoPro footage. Is the GoPro microphone's really good? Like, I think it's a really good microphone, but I want to have a little bit more of the actual bass tone just to blend in, especially because the purpose is to at the end of the day, one like promote me. Yeah. Sorry. Oh god, um, and then also show the actual bass tone. You're like, here's what I use on a wedding. You know, I think this sounds good. Hopefully, yeah. you do too. And because at the moment, all you can really hear is, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. But any, no matter how good the microphone is, unless it's like right up against the speaker, for, you know, for our needs, it's going to be useless. So, I know um, the curse of being a bass player. Yeah. Hmm. Um, nice. Well. Uh, speaking of curses being a bass player, that, let's move on to the next segment. Nice. Um, well, Johnny, it actually is the final segment. Wow. I know I shot the... Uh, I know I jumped the gun earlier, but uh, we're here now. It's time for the big bass debate. I'm ready. Oh, God. For this week's big bass debate... I'm looking at my phone, by the way, for for those of you at home. Here it is. iPhone 11. Oh, oh. Nice. 
I'm not buying the 15 because I can't afford it. No. USB-C would be nice, though. Anyway, um, big base debate time. How do you define overplaying? And do you have any tips slash tricks to spot when you were doing it? <gasps> overplaying, big red flag. Um, mm. uh, I thought this was a good question um, because <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It made me think, like, God, it, us bass players have to worry about that. And then, like, guitarists and drummers are probably like, I'm going to do as much as that as possible. That's my whole point. And we're like, no. What? Ooh, 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 well, I don't back. know. <laughs> I don't well, know. No, we you know could that. you could we get in just that. I reckon you can get in just as much trouble over playing as a guitarist and a drummer. Oh god. I've played with some I've played with some drummers who do have no understanding of the context of like leaving room for anything. Well, you I know, think that's a massive what defines yeah. overplaying really, isn't it? And what we always need to be mindful of is that it's for the song you can't all be stepping on each other's toes and climbing over each other to get to the top spot um, at the same time. It just doesn't just doesn't work and just sounds You know, awful. unless... Yeah, I think unless the music calls for it, which it really does. In my line of work, it really, it really does. Uh, like, if you're in one of these bands like Van Halen or Mr. Big, you know, these big, like, ah, like, maybe overplaying is, like, a good thing at times. But mm. even then... The big thing, the big problem I have with overplaying is if you're a bass player and you put a complicated thing or a fill or something over the top all the time, the audience gets fatigued by your playing and you sort of... Con so if, you, if you're constantly playing a fill at the end of every bar, you are like raising the bar in what is like deemed impressive to the listener. So if yeah. you do loads of flashy stuff in the first ten seconds, you've like ran out of room. Like you've ran out of you've run out of speed or to, or anything, speed, impressive stuff. Whereas if you like locked it down all the way through to the start of the first chorus and put a a good you know tasteful fill that works around everyone else going into that first chorus, you'll smash it. Oh, and it I think and the I impact. think people exactly. And what I tend to do. Um, is again, it depends on the situation. Is I will put more fills in towards the back end of the song, like I'll I'll make the parts a little bit more complicated. This is on wedding stuff where I can get away with it to an extent. Uh, by the time we're reaching that last chorus, I might be I'm playing the part with a few little extra things, like there might be passing notes between the chords. There might be more fills in the last chorus than there were the first chorus. And that's kind of, I feel like your intro, your verse and your first chorus introduces the song to the listener and they need to understand what they're listening to first. And for that, I feel like you need to leave room for the main sections of the song, mainly the vocal standout melody, standout guitar part. You need to stay out of the way of that, in my opinion. But, yeah towards the end of the song these themes have been established and either you know there is the odd there is the odd chance that the audience might be coming a little bit fatigued by hearing that key melody because they've just heard it for two other choruses and now we're going into the last one so maybe this is a good opportunity for you to kind of i don't know it can be i know we're talking about overplaying in terms of physical you know the mechanics of moving but it could be overplaying in terms of you're using too many effects i would also define that as overplaying 
So, for example, for the last chorus, you could be like, I'm just going to put a bit of drive on. just to, Not loads, just enough to kind of give the song a bit of variation and a little bit of oomph. Or maybe I'll play a little bit higher, but I'll kick the octave pedal on so we've got this sudden lift of like, oh, there's more going on now. Those are good things. What What is bad, in my opinion, is someone who is just doing too much all of the time. So... You, I, I get annoyed. At, I get annoyed at bass players when I see this because I actually get. I want to hear the bass part. I want to be inspired by your bass part. But if you're sticking a sli- loads of slides in, passing notes, loads, you kind of you're pissing me off. Is the short way of describing it. Yeah. And I think you're spoiling. I think if you're overplaying, you can you run the chance of one spoiling the song. And the way I view it is, you're almost self being too self-indulgent you're too much going hey look at this guys i know my major scale well enough to hit the sixth and descend down hit the third of the next chord and transition into it and i'm like but we didn't need to do that and actually yeah good for you you know how triads work and you know how scales work cool it sounds shit don't do it (laughs) yeah uh it's it's uh, truth bombs being dropped in this episode um it's it's totally true and i I think that doing the thing that progresses the song as it goes along is is the best way you can kind of do that if you like to do flashy bits it's it's not all don't put all your eggs in one basket and just like drop them all at the start um sprinkle them on throughout you know and and tease build up yeah tease me baby that's what we want. And there's nothing better. And I, I, even with like backing vocals and things like that, like you want the last chorus to be like the, the biggest one. I've been in band situations before where there's been three of us on um, vocals. One person, the lead. Uh, another person's kind of doing the main harmonies. And then I was kind of there doing some some other harmonies and, and backup bits. Um, in bits where there isn't like three-part harmonies, they're like, oh, why, why aren't you doing the backings on that bit? I'm like, well, it's, the, it's the first chorus. And yeah, like nothing, yeah. nothing else is changing in the last choruses. So if I come in with another backing in the last chorus, it's going to elevate it. And like, it's it's simple songwriting, you know. And the second <laughs> verses in songs sometimes change it a little bit, you know, or or melodies change, and and you start getting little motifs that will then repeat in the bridge section later on, you know. It's things like that, and the bass should think about that as well. It's a songwriting, yeah, thing. absolutely. And and it can be as simple as the first chorus. You can be playing like quarter notes. And just letting them ring, you know, just going, you know, like one and two and three. But then you can move on into the the last chorus and be more driving. You're like one and two and three and four and one and two and and like add more. It's about like the overplaying is. So the question is, we have to define overplaying and then figure out what we do when we do overplay. Because sometimes we do, you know. I've been guilty of doing it. Like, you know, I play it until I play at a jam night where it can be really easy to just go, ah, I'm just going to do this and just rip over everything because who cares? It's a jam night at the end of the day. But that's not fair on the person who's got up to play. You know, I want to let them shine because like, I'm, you know, I'm there to serve you. You've got up and you want to play at this song. I'm there to make sure you have a good time, not make sure I have a good time. Because I'm 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 here for work. You're here as like someone who's had to have a good time. I said have a good time quite a lot then. Uh, you have a good time? time, but I think uh, no. Uh, but anyway, um, the, <laughs> the 
definition of overplaying, I think, is adding unnecessary additional notes, rhythms, textures when it is unnecessary, or I'll go one further, is a detriment to the song as a whole. There's nothing worse than listening to a song. I've heard it on songs that, you know, released. Um, and, you know, we're tuned in to listen to the bass, of course. And it's when it takes you out of the moment, like, and you're like, yeah, ooh, yeah. I really didn't like that. Or like, there's too much going on. Or like, th- this would sound so much better if you're just doing it normally. Um and I, in the studio once, um, I came to that realisation a couple of years ago um, when I can't remember the song and what section it was now, but um, we had a moment where the drums were doing something like building up, going really fast. And I originally was kind of following that, you know, it's pretty simple and then building up and building up, going faster, faster. And the producer, producer was like, do you know, can you try not building it up so much and just hitting it like on on the main beat and it sounded so much better for it and i was like wow that's just an example of like me wanting to do the the complicated thing here because thinking i was i'm matching the drums i'm matching the drums this is going to sound great and it which, just which is which is usually the best like i try my best to match the drummer as yeah. much as i can Rule of thumb. you know i'm trying to Rule you don't drum. follow the guitar follow the kick drum that's like the, that's what i try to do at least but it makes sense that you would want to do that. I would want to do that. And, and I think most what, best players would. That's what I cool. ended up doing. That's what I ended up doing is just yeah. following the kick because the kick was just yeah. standard. It was more like the bombastic snares that were then and then the, mm. what the guitars were right. doing. But actually, it yeah. sounded far cleaner um, and just more solid by just following that. And uh, yeah, that was a, yeah. a, a, a simple version of overplaying that I was like, oh, yeah, like it doesn't yeah. always sound better. But the concept works. The worst one for me is when you're moving through like a chord progression and the bass player is like transitioning between the chords with like long fills. You know, mm. like like maybe like you're playing for, I don't know, three beats of the bar and then the full last beat is some sort of 16th note or, yes, yeah, 16th note run that land almost like walking bass lines, but in a genre or a song that doesn't isn't suited to playing that kind of thing. Because walking bass lines are sick. I love walking bass lines. But it's not it's not gonna work all the time. It's like could you imagine could you imagine doing a wedding and playing Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis, which is um C G A minor E minor F G Back to C. That's the chord progression. You could have said any letters then. I would have been like, oh, cool. Yeah, okay. That's the chord progression. G, J. H. Yeah. (laughs) But that, okay. Well, that's the chord progression. And what the bass just does is it goes like, it just goes C, C, G, G, A, A, E, E, F, F, G, G, C. That's just what it does. It just, it stays and it jumps between. Could you imagine though if it was like, C, G, F, E, D, hit the G, climb. Do you know what I mean? Like running through triads, going into, you know, we're going down into this one, then we're going up into the next one, then we're going down into the next one, then we're sliding. It would, for me, it just ruin it. That's the only, I'm not going to give a fancy explanation. Straight up, I think it would just spoil the song. Yeah. Well, it changes the 
rhythm and the thing that everyone's moving to yeah then. it's less simple yeah it's like yeah uh and you want the song to be particularly that song is quite accessible yeah. you know for a lot of people absolutely and it's food for thought it's like you can but should you yes and i think that's an important thing to look at as well is don't you can listen to what is being played but then also what isn't being played like maybe that's where you need to be doing your bits where there's a gap maybe that feels sometimes it's based on feel you know when you think mm, i could do with a little like bass fill there um there's a couple of food fighters tracks from the tribute band that um where there's there's moments and in the song there's a fill and it's, it's just perfect for it because there'll be a moment where the vocals have done their bit meh, 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 step back and then it's just ding, do, 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 do. and it's like perfect place for a little bit and then yeah. back into the singing when there's like on and off vocals like I say, we don't want to step on toes. Don't want to step on anyone else, particularly the lead person being either the guitar in that moment or the um, vocals. You know, it's mm. a team effort. Team, go team! Absolutely, um, go team! We've got to be cheerleaders in these moments. Um, and that's I, agree. I think that's all I have yeah. to say, really. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> bloody marvelous! All um, right. I think that ties us up for this episode. Thank you so much to everyone that asks your lovely, lovely questions. Uh, like I said at the start, please go and follow us on Instagram at In the Pocket Pod, where you can uh, find our posts and find out who the latest guests are. You can suggest a guest as well. Who do you want to see? You know, drop us a comment, drop us a message, let us know. And you can also share the podcast around with your friends as well. Speaking of, um, please leave this uh, a five-star review on your listening platform of choice. Um, it really helps us, the algorithms are reaching more people. So it's free to do, super quick and simple, but really, really helps us out. Uh, again, if you're watching on YouTube, because yes, there is a video version of this podcast um, due to a high demand, uh, you can give that a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel as well. That would also really, really, really help. Um, Chris, my dear, where can people find you? You can find me quite literally everywhere under that guy on bass. And uh, yeah, regarding the podcast, give us a follow and all that jazz. The bigger the podcast gets, the bigger the guests we can have on, which is very, very nice. Final plug, as always, please check out my band, Dala. Um, at the time of this coming out, we, yeah, we're cracking on. Our third single, Landslide's already out. If you've heard of the band As Everything Unfolds, Charlie the Singer does a lovely bit of Screamy Screamy in the middle bit of that one. It's very good, I recommend. And we have many, many things in the pipeline, which I'm... I don't want to say big things coming soon, but big things are coming soon, as wow. always. The big things continue to be soon. So uh, please give us a follow and all that lovely stuff. That would be very, very nice because being in a band is hard. Big time hard. So yeah, definitely go and check out all that good stuff. Thank you, Chris. Um, for myself, you can just find me on Instagram at Johnny Dibble and the same name on YouTube. So make sure you go and subscribe over there for weekly based content and reviews and such. If you want to, if you like those new Ashdown bases I'm pointing to right now, definitely go and subscribe on next, and I'll be reviewing them very soon. Um, once again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Ta-ta.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.